ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. It is myself and the Rascal Bros. We're going to be talking today about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. First things first, Rascal Brothers, say hello to the people. Hello, peoples. Hello, people. It is us, the Roscoe Brothers. I'm Jingles Roscoe, and I'm I brought with my brother. I'm Smarter Roscoe. Oh, it's us. All right. We've seen the Guardians 3, Volume 3. Um, the last of the ride, so to speak, as they told us in the trailers. Um, and so I want to ask you first. Um, I'm going to. This is a very specific question toward this movie. Near the end of the film. Where, um, where Lila looks at Rocket and he, she says to him in the little dreamscape world, you've been the main character this whole time. You just didn't realize it. Not her words, but all right. Well, I'm paraphrasing. I didn't say it exactly. I mean. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I mean, I can go look it up if you want me to get the exact quote. It, it sounds like I'm only saying that because it sounds like you're putting a lot of weight on this. Well, I kind of am. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have reasons. But anyway, so uh, when you go, when you listen to that and you think about it and then and I will post the interview as well because I'll have to find it again. Uh, but James Gunn saying that when he was originally looking at the concept of doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Initially, he was like, well, how in the world do I get people to care about this ragtag crew of people? And he was like, well, what if the main characters was Rocket at the beginning beginning of it? But we kind of tell it around him, but not necessarily make you focus on him till the very end of the story. It's kind of this idea that Rocket was always kind of the main. Everything was kind of, we were kind of walking by Rocket the whole time through his perspective of this whole story. And so what I'm going to, the question is looking at the, looking at this movie. And then if you think about stuff that you remember from the, you know, previous films, does it make sense? Does it work? Or do you feel like that maybe James Gunn kind of put that out there as a more of a, more of a George Lucas saying, Oh, well, this was supposed to be the way it was all the time. Uh, no. Uh, clearly Star-Lord was the main character of the first two films. Like, clearly. Like, it was all about Peter Quill. Um, and his family issues. And his family issues. Now, the, the, the main focus for, I think, all of them are about family and being found family and mm. relying on each other. Um, somebody was saying that Rocket, in the first movie, is like borderline unlikable like people still like him a lot but he's like you know he's mean he's like a prankster Mm -hmm. um makes peter go steal that one guy's leg for no reason yeah just because he wants it because he wanted it just wanted to just what was it like did he did he hop around (laughs) how did he move afterwards and um people were saying that if they introduced that backstory that we got in this movie like we might not have cared so much about Rocket, mm-hmm. but we had time over the years to like spend more time with Rocket. And even Volume Two made us more empathetic towards Rocket, but because uh, Yondu really sat down with him, and you know the whole line of like, "I know all about you, son, because I am you." Mm-hmm. And you know, Rocket finds that he can be he can be more vulnerable to everybody. 
up to this point that we see him, we only he's only ever been vulnerable really to like Groot. Right. And Groot like meant so much to him. In that first movie, Rocket probably wouldn't have cared if the other people died. Yeah. Like pretty much immediately. But by the end of the first movie, they're like, okay, we need to all work together. We're we're partners in this. We need to stick together. And Rocket, he doesn't immediately at the end of that movie feel like he is like a good person or wants to do good. Right. It's closer to like the the climax of around the second movie, Volume Two. When he's like really trying to be more introspective and like, you know, I want to be a better person. Um, and we get a little bit more of that in uh, Infinity War, Infinity War and Endgame um, and uh, touches of that in the holiday special. Um, so by the time that we get to him in volume three, it's like the most appropriate time for him to now like, OK, he's calm down he's more sensitive and he cares very very deeply for this family of his and now we're ready to look and see about his backstory and kind of reveal all that stuff yeah. rocket has always kind of been there um i think it's definitely a stretch to be all like you're the you've been the main character this whole time because yeah. he's, he's not like factually peter quill was the main character of the first two movies yeah um and in the third one he's definitely taken more of a back seat Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to, I'm going to say it was Cosmonaut Marcus talking about how every single character, every single main guardian character in this has a huge opportunity to shine big. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a favorite guardian, then you won't be disappointed with this movie because your favorite guardian has a moment to be awesome and to shine and right. to show off like why they are good in the team. And so it, it was definitely stretched out more, but the f- main focus was on Rocket for Volume 3, mm-hmm. and for good reason. Um, and it really helps you to establish the High Evolutionary as a villain, and he was amazing as a villain. Um, and so that's... I, I'm pretty sure what Lila was suggesting was more of a, you know, you're a main character of your own story, like we we were side characters in your life mm-hmm. and we served a purpose of making you empathetic mm-hmm. and making you understand what empathy is and to laugh and to understand what friendship and found family is. Uh, now that was taken away by the high evolutionary. Right. And and so that's part of the reason why Rocket was so hesitant to want to open up and be a part of a found family again. Right. Um, but he you know, learns from that over the first two movies and through uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's what Lila was inferring. Was like, you're not the main... St- <laughs> she didn't look directly into the camera and say, Rocket, you are the main character of Guardians 1 through 3. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. That, that's she, a pretty good observation, though. Of uh, it's your story. Yeah, you it's just this, didn't know it. This is your story. You just didn't know yeah. it. Yeah. And so, and their uh, time with him had ended. Yes, and that it's time for him to start moving on mm-hmm. and living his life. You know, that's what I'm pretty certain she was inferring. Yeah. Okay. All right, Spider. 
That's me. It's <laughs> <laughs> my name. He said what about me. Yay. That's my name. That's my name. Are you asking me if I also felt the same way about that line? Yeah, just how you feel about it in general. No, I I agree with Jingles. I agree with Jingles that the implication isn't that like oh you like this entire thing the entire trilogy was about rocket no no uh that i i agree with that observation as well that this is just this is just them telling him to take more agency and to enjoy his life okay uh can i cite a little something from an article i posted in the deal there this is about halfway through the article uh, when Gunn first met with Marvel Studios in 2012 about directing Guardians of the Galaxy, Rocket was the character who drew his interest in the project and whom he envisioned as its center. And he pitched the film that way to studio president Kevin Feige, according to The Hollywood Reporter. After being temporarily fired by Marvel in 2018, Gunn returned to Helm Volume 3 in order to see his original plans realized. The most important thing to me was Rocket's story, and then following that, everybody else, he told total film. Rocket is the secret protagonist of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It has always been the center of it for me. And this is really fulfilling that, fulfilling that. The reason I came back and decided to do this movie was because I really felt like Rocket's story needed to be told, and it was left hanging after Volume 2. As Rocket approaches a death late in the lengthy Volume 3, he has a vision of speaking with Lila, surrounded by the blinding white lights of the aftermath, and it's Lila who verbalizes Gun's rationale behind Rocket's secret protagonist status when she tells him the story was always yours, you just didn't know it. At the end of the film, after the Guardians have defeated the Hive Evolutionary and saved everyone aboard his burning ship, including all the animals held in captivity thanks to Rocket's rescue efforts, Gunn sets up the potential future of the franchise as he leaves it behind to help DC films into the new era. The new, er- the new Gore- Gamora returns to her Ravager crew, fully separated from the version of the character who died in Avengers in- uh, Infinity War, and considered herself to be a member of the Guardians family. Mantis sets out on her own to save her her, her new trio of pet... Ab- is it Abelisk? Abelisks. Abelisks, okay. After realizing she spent her entire life either in servitude to her father Ego or being dependent on the other Guardians... Nebula embraces the leadership position of nowhere, helping to oversee the community and all of its new refugees from the high evolutionary spaceship as she completes the most pronounced character transformation of any of the Guardians characters after being a villain for the first two volumes. She also recruits Drax to work alongside her and be a father figure to the children that were saved as his story of loss and fatherhood pays off as well. And most fitting of all, Quill, who returns to Earth to reunite with his grandfather in Missouri, relinquishes the Guardian's leadership to position to Rocket. And so, of course, they talk about the fact that, what we'll talk about later um, in the end credit stuff. But then also you see the new team being led by Rocket Raccoon. And so, it, and it's interesting because, for example, like going back, I told you guys yesterday, I think, that I went back and watched the other movies. And there's that scene right. early on in the first movie where Rocket's going off because, you know, Drax is drunk and he referred to him as a rodent. And that was one of the funny gags in most of the stuff. If you look back, even with, for example, Thor calling him a rabbit, you know, it different, different people call him different things. And then even when he was called a raccoon at one point, he was like, oh, that's not what I am. 
Only to find out that's exactly what he was. But it's like the whole joke for the while is that nobody knew who, what he was. Everybody kept calling him different things. And it's interesting because he was very upset. You know, it's, I didn't ask to be made like this. You know, I didn't ask for this existence. I didn't ask somebody to tinker around with me and mess with me. And I think about that. I'm just like, maybe, maybe it's a crazy thing. But I, I personally think James Gunn is right on the dime. That maybe while, yes, we did see Peter Quill going through his arc from walking away from his mother in the first volume to accepting the fact that his mother was gone and that he has this new family. And then you go from there to finding his father and then having to struggle with the question of, is this the family that I have or not? And then you go through Infinity War and Endgame and he loses the biggest part of that family to him, which is the girl he loves. And then he ends up getting back a version of her that doesn't feel the same way that she was. Not even the same person. Not even from the same timeline. And you go through that struggle. And then you do see a lot of other arcs. But when I think about it, looking at Rocket, it's interesting looking at the, the Guardians movies and then also when you see him in like Infinity War, when you see him again in uh, Endgame come back and different things like that. It's just like, I could see a version of this movie where we do see it from his perspective. And it does kind of make an interesting thing. That, yeah, you know, we do get Peter. We do get Nebula's story. We do get uh, Drax's story. We get we get all these great arcs that go through the whole thing. And we don't want to ignore those. But when you think about the fact that the, the guy who wrote the thing said, hey, this was the goal. It changes, it for me at least, it changed the way I viewed Guardians 1 and 2. Because now going back and watching them, the reason I did that was because I was like, "So what if this is the case? What if what what if what if this is the truth? What if what if when he started this whole journey, that he was wanting Rocket to be the main protagonist the whole time, even by telling other stories around Rocket, to where Rocket kind of interjected? And yet, you guys are one hundred percent right. Rocket didn't initially care about a whole lot of things. Rocket was just trying to get over. But now we understand why he was so jaded." We understand why he was so closed off. We understand why he didn't want to really let anybody in. I mean, it didn't even feel like, I mean, it felt like he was around Groot more because it was a business proposition. Like, they didn't really embrace each other until near the end where Groot died. And then you start to understand that, like, oh, they really were, they they became friends during this first arc. Like, they became really close, close. Like, they were walking around each other. But you could tell initially he was treating Groot very, you know, kind of like, kind of like a child. Almost so like group that group wasn't even the same group that we got by the end because of course that group that James Gunn also confirmed that was group one when he died and became baby group by the end of the first movie we got the offspring of Groot so that's not the same version of Groot that we have this version of Groot is the group that has his family around him mm-hmm. and it's very different as far as loving towards you know them even when he was teenage Groot he was like I am Groot he really didn't care about Peter as much just being rebellious just being a rebellious teenager um, yeah I was a kid you know uh, well teenager pre-teenager however rebellious but the thing about it is it is interesting to see the arcs of all that but then to really kind of view the movie through this lens of it was always Rocket's story 
even though all these other stories were going along around. And yeah, it, we needed to know Quills because Quill was primarily the leader. But when you realize that at the end of it, he was going to hand it off to the guy who was supposed to be the main protagonist the whole time. It kind of changed, like I said, for me at least. I don't know. And, and you may not agree, and that's fine. But um, it's interesting to see it from that perspective. So that, that that's why I asked. I was just curious what y'all's thoughts were on it. And I appreciate y'all sharing that with me. Um, mm-hmm. So now, favorite character uh, in the movie, in the third movie. Hmm. This is a tough question because they were all just so darn good in that. Probably, I, I think Rocket probably stole the show for me in this third movie. Um, because uh, usually I go for like, uh, I love Drax a lot. Big dumb Dave Batista definitely sells that character. Um, I've always liked Peter. Um, but in this one, since it was so, um, since it, w- it was so rocket focused, um, they really they really worked on him and built him up. So, but what about? But what about Adam? What about Adam? I thought you I thought you liked Adam. I do love Adam. Ah. I thought he was great too, but he yeah. said favorite. He didn't say which uh, five. I didn't know if Adam like was in that running because you said multiple characters. I was all like, uh, is Adam in that? Well, did you say favorite, favorite guardians? Characters, favorite yeah. guardian or favorite character? I said favorite character. Okay. Well, Rocket still wins, but Adam mm-hmm. is. Adam was was really. Really, I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's so very different from how he's in the comics. Oh, people, man. <laughs> people are going to cry and complain. Oh, and be all man. like, oh, Marvel ruined Adam Warlock. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh man. they should have had Adam Warlock this, Adam Warlock <laughs> that. Oh, Adam Warlock, one of the most so powerful characters in the entire universe. Oh, Adam Warlock could beat up Thanos easy. Oh, and like, yeah. Well, this is the MCU, okay? Right. Say it with me, everybody. And I want a t shirt of this. The MCU, the MCU changes, changes things. things. <laughs> that's that's the, needs to be the first piece of merchandise. The MCU changes stuff. Yes. <laughs> and like, get over it. Yeah. Heck, like, get over it, man. Get over it, man. I I thought it was interesting how they did Adam too. I thought that was funny how they kind of treated him more like a newborn baby, if you will, that was woke up too early, and so he wasn't quite complete. And, and, and I thought that was different, a unique spin on it, because I figured when they ended Guardians 2, I kind of figured, like, we were going to get, you know, crazy Magus slash, you know, Adam Warlock, where they did the whole persona shift, where he's, like, going crazy as Magus at first, and he shifts into Adam, and he's not the same person. But they didn't go that route. So, and I'm glad nope. they didn't, because you have to explain that to people, like, wait, he has multiple personalities? You know, can you really fault him if he's evil in one and not in the other? Like, how does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Right. See, that that's and that's something that comes from like decades and decades of comic work happening. You can't just put that all in his like first appearance. Like, don't go crazy. I know. There's I don't know. I hope this expectation has been sort of funneled out, but in the early MCU, there were regularly nerds that were complaining because the characters weren't at their full power right away. 
I can I can remember conversations I had with big fans of Thor that were mad that he couldn't just smash the plants together like he can in the comics. Right. Like there there has to be some sort of progression. Right. Yeah. That's what storytelling is. And work their way up to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm mad that we don't have an official appearance of Beta Ray Bill except for some statues at Thor, during Thor Ragnarok. But, I mean, you they could always bring Beta Ray Bill in during the uh, Kang Dynasty. We don't know. That's Hold just enough me, for Beta. I don't Hold know, man. Beta Ray Bill. Like, the, we've been holding off so long for Beta Ray Bill, man. You you said that their, their biggest opportunity was in Love and Thunder, and it didn't happen. No, so. it did not. Look, man, no, it's happening. I don't Beta know Ray what to Bill believe anymore. I don't know where my, if my heart can handle it. He's on his way. Don't worry. So I'm just going to let him live in the ether and in my heart. <laughs> and if he shows up, he shows up. But I'm not going to try and hold my breath and expect Marvel to do the cool thing. Look, man, you got Venom. What else do you need? You got Venom directed by Andy Circus. Okay. <laughs> What I, I, I like, you I, have, like a, I like, you, I like, I like how you put that, dude. You got better. I will. I am now. I am now in the position to be that arbitrary voice of you can't complain about anything. You can't ask for anything. Okay, but Tony Stark was the main character of the entire first three phases, and and you know what? I will accept this modest award on behalf of <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> I only wanted a little bit of Iron Man play. That's all I wanted. Well, and I, I feel like I got the appropriate focus. amount afterwards. Well, Tony Stark, man. Yeah. No, I feel I feel like uh, I got exactly I feel like I got the exactly the right amount of Iron Man. Right. And I I've I apparently have a comparable amount of venom. Yeah. And he's like he's okay, let's let's do Let's do the, the screen. Math. Let's do the math of the screen time mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. both characters in the MCU. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, Iron Man, yeah, you got yeah. Iron Man one, two, and three. Yeah. Then it was in Civil War. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It was a big part of all of the Avengers movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was like a, a vast majority. We'll yeah. say. Well, modestly, we'll say it's like five hundred hours. Uh, yeah. 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 Of, uh, yeah, 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 of yeah, Iron Man, yeah. uh, we get like uh, two minutes of Venom in the MCU. So, great. Hey man, it was enough. It was enough for me. I was like, okay, he's here. He's gone, and he won't be back. And they're We're good. And there's some, good. And there's some symbiote left over on the counter bar. That's all we know. That might not go anywhere. That right. is probably not going to go. Something. Anywhere. Sometimes in the MCU, things get set up and then they don't go anywhere. It and does. that's totally fine. Yeah, there's so much payoff in every other regard. They teased Adam Warlock at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then, like, forgot about him. Did and then they? they're all like, "They didn't tease him oh, at the first, right. not at the first Sorry, one, was, they not the first second one, yeah, second one, yeah." It was the second end of the second one, and we waited so long. Yeah, and then we what? They thought that we were going to forget or something. Yeah, and from what I've heard, like James Gunn had a lot of plans for Adam Warlock, but like all, a lot of that stuff kind of fell through. I think the original plan was to just tease him in Guardians and then use him in a different project. Yeah. Uh, but then I guess the Russos didn't want to and mm. Kevin Feige had some other ideas. And so mm. uh, James Gunn was all like, well, fine, then I'll do it. Well, fine. I'll have him in here and he's going to be goofy. Yeah. It'll be a massive goofball he's child. He's going to be a fully grown child. My favorite kind. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Uh, this is another James Gunn interview I got the chance to listen to. 
uh, where he was talking about originally Gamora was supposed to give up her life for Peter Quill instead of Yondu. And then the Russos kind of called him. It's like, we kind of have plans for Gamora in our movie. Can we keep Gamora alive for a little while longer? Yeah, and, there's a few different things that I've heard in that uh, definitely he wasn't planning on Gamora to die in Infinity War. And because that happened, James Gunn had to figure out a whole bunch of different stuff for right. this movie. But originally she was supposed to sacrifice herself for Peter at the end of, because Zoe had some other stuff going on that she wanted to do originally. But when they did it in uh, the other movie instead, then they were able to work with her to bring her back as a different version of Gamora. So there was a, there was definitely a, there's definitely a little bit of a switch there. And also he talked about the fact that he didn't like the way they had Peter kind of flip out um, on Thanos and, and almost, and basically lose the battle. And so that's why they kind of had him, you know, explain during the movie that well, lost the girl that I loved, kind of lost my mind a little bit, almost doomed half the world, you know. So that's why they put that line in there because they didn't, they more, they he really didn't like the whole Peter beating, you know, hitting Thanos at the moment they would have beaten him. Hey, he just kept his cool long enough to let him get the gauntlet off of him. And so but right. there was this idea that, yeah, originally it was supposed to be Gamora sacrificing instead of Yondu, but when they did that, he changed it to Yondu, which did make, he did admit it made more sense for Yondu to be the person to sacrifice himself because Yondu was his father figure. Yondu was more of a father to him than his actual father was. And so that was able to, he was able to play with that narrative a bit more to help Peter get pushed to a new level. So. Yeah. Well, the long and short of it is, is that James Gunn had some plans for these characters and the greater MCU was all like, oh, we want to do this instead. <laughs> yep. I, I like the idea of, fra- like, as a joke, phrasing it that, like, like oh, the MCU so dumb that they that they made all these decisions, but we all loved Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Endgame and Infinity War, such good stuff. Um, it... <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking about Yondu, and I'm thinking about uh, that. Did we, uh, did we all enjoy that cute little uh, Michael Rook cameo? Oh yeah, yes. got, yeah, that was adorable. Use your heart, kid. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that was really cool. You gotta use your heart, boy. <laughs> Thanks, Michael Rooker. Thanks, Michael Rooker. Thanks, Michael Rooker, indeed. He's a real one. And he's all like, "I'm gonna go be in Rocky Crime Boss, Crime Boss Rocky City." Why, Michael? Goodbye. <laughs> oh, okay. Bye. I hope he has a good time. He probably won't, but I hope he has a good Might time. Not. Let's be let's be honest here. I know. I know. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say, did everybody get to say their favorite character? Because I hadn't said mine yet. I want to make sure I didn't. Uh, I don't think Smiter did. Yeah, no, no. Go, uh, go ahead, Will. You go first. So I will say my favorite character arc actually is with Craglin, because it's interesting to see Craglin kind of go through this whole thing where, of course, he was just messing up for a very little part of the movie. Like he was sticking, you know, sticking arrows in throats of people and sticking arrows in stomachs of Nebula and all this other stuff. And then kind of he goes through that whole thing, and him and um. Him and Cosmo, of course, they have a little tiff, 
You know, she's like, I'm not a bad dog. I'm not a bad dog. Take it back. You know, I'm not a bad dog. And they're going through this whole thing. And you're like, how are they going to pay this off? And then whenever the creatures are showing up attacking the planet and everything, and he's like, because she's a good dog. And it's just like, she drops the rocks on that one creature. It's like, boom! And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's how they paid it off. That was awesome. And, uh, yeah. My nephew, meanwhile, expressed to me multiple times he hated High, Evolu High Evolutionary wholeheartedly and wanted him to die. So, his favorite character to hate was definitely the villain in the piece, which... You know, like I told him, he did his job well, because that's the point. You know, mm -hmm. in that particular movie, he was the villain you were supposed to, you weren't supposed to sympathize with him. You weren't supposed to feel like what he was doing was right. And so the fact that, because that, like, I asked him who his favorite character was. He was just, he just, we was just dead set. He was just like, no, high evolution is doing everything he got. And I'm glad it happened to him. And da 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 da. And I can't believe he treated animals that way. And everything. Which, by the way, I'll say this up front. If you're listening to this now and you've not watched Guardians 3, don't take your kids to this movie unless they understand walking in, there's going to be a lot of animal cruelty going on. Like, don't just, don't, don't, don't think this movie is going to be a sweet little story. It's not. Like, just, just prepare them for that now, because you don't want to take it's, your kids into it's this It's a movie. pretty, it's a pretty heavy PG-13. It's hard PG-13. Like, they get into, like, I mean, there are people running around wearing skin suits, for crying out loud. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like Craglin, Craglin's probably, Craglin, the whole Craglin, Cosmo relationship because we hadn't really gotten a whole lot of Cosmo story in the movies like Cosmo's been in behind scenes stuff a bit and then Cosmo was at the Christmas movie but we really hadn't gotten a whole lot of Cosmo stuff so I kind of liked that relationship between those two characters that that was one of my favorite driving things I wanted to know how they were going to pay it off so that was pretty cool and seeing him at the end with the team you know getting the arrow up and he's ready to go he's running and he's got the arrow right behind him I'm just like yeah he 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 is the new Yondu of the team, technically. So now he's got it. He's got the confidence he needs to do this right. So that's well, I awesome. know for one thing with you, Will, is that you really like characters that are really bad at the beginning of the movie, but then learn to love themselves and then become good at the end. Yeah. I, it was the same with uh, Simon in D&D. &D. Underdog, man. Underdog. Find I, that I'm, confidence. I'm always, I'm always up the guy that's like, you know, I want to do this really well, but boy, do I suck at it. But man, if I just believed in myself a little bit, what is it going to take for me to believe in myself? Oh, wait, this is what it's going to take? Okay, dope. Let's go kill some creatures that are wrecking the planet and trying to kill these kids and all this other I stuff. I got to say, definitely one of my favorite character arts is I'm bad. No, you're not. You're right. I'm good. Yeah. And then does good. Yeah, and then does good. Good arc. Good arc. Good arc. I I don't know. I was kind of tickled by the way they phrased it with, uh, like, I don't know how this arc is going to play out with him saying, you're a bad dog. I was like, clearly he's going to say, you're clearly a good that's dog. Gonna, you're gonna, you, we're going to get to the part where he says, you're a good dog. Obviously. Have you not watched movies before? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a question of when. I know it's going to happen. I just don't know when and how they're going to play it. There you go. It's going to do it when all when the world is falling critical. apart. When it's the most critical. Yeah. Everybody knows that. When yep. it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. <laughs> <laughs> that dog is a real Soviet. <laughs> Fight for the rights of 
only a few people. <laughs> the, the top. Real Soviet. <laughs> Five for right. Five for what's right. She's a good dog. She's a good dog. That's not also, a bad yes, pick Cosmo for a was character. also very good. I liked Cosmo a lot as well. Yeah. What was your favorite character, brother? I honestly It's a toss-up between Peter and Rocket. Hmm. I like I like Peter because it like before the greater implications of his genealogy were realized, he always did just sort of feel like a scoundrel trying like trust trying to have a good time. He didn't want all these big adventures, but he clearly had a heart of gold and he just wanted to relax and have a good time. And then he got roped up in everybody else's BS and then managed to turn it into gold. And I honestly like how sort of fully realized he is as a character and as a team leader in Guardians 3. I really like it whenever he's on point because the rest of the team is on point when he is. Uh, I like Rocket because... He, Rocket has always been sort of a fun character from the comics that I've really liked and from video games. And I honestly I honestly feel like having him in Guardians 1 and 2 was fine, but it wasn't until this one that we finally got to see the underlying tragedy of his character. We only got to hint at it a couple of times as we're going through. And I'm glad that we finally got to explore it. Cause I knew it was going to be heartbreaking. That was something that I knew about back in guardians of the galaxy. One was that Gar- like rocket was always a, a raccoon. He was just to- like, like he said, torn apart and then put back together. And in the comics, it's it's also kind of sad, but it was just cool to finally see that payoff for that. So again, again, it's a toss up between Star Lord and Rocket Raccoon. Oh, also, zero out of ten. He still never said "blam," murdered ya. No, he didn't. Oh yeah, my gosh, I was hoping, I was hoping in the hallway fight that he was saying it while he was in there shooting things. Mm-hmm. That would have been dope. That would have been dope. One of the greatest okay. comic book moments he ever had was him hunting down the people that he thought had killed Groot, and then Groot secretly bust out of the side of a wall, just fully grown because he'd been growing the whole time. And that was when Rocket realized that he could, you know, of course, he knew he could grow from a small twig, but he didn't know how far along he was in his growth process until that moment. I was just like, oh. Mm. That made me love Rocket as a character. That 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 quote alone, just him going out and murdering scroll agents just for like you know twenty panels, <laughs> it was great. Sure was. So everybody talked about their favorite character. Um, the next thing I want to ask it because this 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 the way they ended the movie definitely feels like a finite end for the right now. 
Um, we don't know. Hold on. Yo. <laughs> a oh. fi- <laughs> that was an oxymoron you just said. <laughs> a finite end for right now. Yeah. Fair so, enough. No, 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 no. no, no. It, it's, it, a, I, it's a pretty decent end for now. Yeah. To okay, say so it's finite, enough, finite means there's it, nothing it, else beyond this. Coming on. Yeah. yeah, true. It is so, quantified <laughs> as no more. No more. No more movie. Even though very clearly there's no. going to be more. <laughs> no more movie. That'll be That's more. it. There, I got you. So basically, yeah, it it it's it's interesting how they ended it. Of course, uh, we get the the, the new Ravengers uh, with uh, some of the Starhawk, some of the characters from the old Guardians team. Uh, of course, this time I don't think we saw Charlie Twenty Seven, where we did see him in the last movie in, in Volume Two, um, and then of course Michelle Yeoh's character came back. I think one of the difference was, and I can't remember the name of the computer that was there, but like they had her voiced by Tara Strong instead of being voiced by Miley Cyrus in the second movie. Right, I did hear that Miley was not going to be returning. Right, um, and I, like I saw because Google sends me messages, and so like oh something about Guardians, and I'm like, well, I, I don't want to hear about that until after I've watched the movie. That's all. Like James Gunn confirmed Miley Cyrus was not going to be returning. I'm like, when did what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Cyrus, it's, there. It's this computer thing. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, boohoo, I guess. Yeah. It's another one of those. This MCU actress has not been asked to return. It's all like, oh, <laughs> you mean the kid that played young Carol Danvers? Thank I you. wonder why. Oh golly, I wonder why. <laughs> young Carol Danvers is not coming back. Is this the older Carol Danvers? Because you know, the older Carol Danvers is coming back. There we go. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, and I thought that was interesting, too, because, again, you've got this crew. You've got these, again, because you've got this kind of end game thing with them where different things are happening. Uh, I do love the fact that James Gunn also confirmed that the young girl that's on the team at the end is Moon Dragon or Fattis Vell. She's just a younger version of that character. So we do. We Hold do on, have what? To, what did you say? The young girl that's on the team at the end of the, the first credit scene where, you know, it's uh, Rocket and uh, King Groot, as they refer to him as, and um, Kraglin and Adam Warlock and the little girl. The little girl yeah. is Fattis Vell or Moon Dragon from the Guardians it's of the Galaxy. Phyla Vell. Or Phyla Vell. Phyla Vell. I thought I said Phyla Vell. I'm sorry. So, aka the daughter, well, in the comics, the daughter, the, the daughter of uh, Drax, the daughter of Marvel in the comics. No, the, the, the daughter of Drax because the, the because Drax was originally a human and Drax was Drax was trans Drax was transformed into Drax whenever Thanos killed them and the other little girl grew up to be Moon Dragon. They had her raised. So on a... the the link that you sent me to read, talking about Rocket being the main protagonist, her name is Phyla Vell, which in the comics is Marvel's daughter, also sister to Janice Vell. Okay, I could have sworn that she was the original daughter of of uh, Drax. Why would Drax have a Vel daughter? Because she was raised differently to raise around the mystics. 
but I could check into it just to make sure. I, I, it's very possible I'm wrong here, but I just want to check and make sure. But anyway, um, so where I'm going to ask this question as well. Uh, how'd you feel about the high evolutionary as a villain? Uh, perfect villain. Uh, I've been, I've been hearing so many people talking about like, you know, the MCU, it's full of villains that are like, Oh, I need to do kind of this noble thing. And like, yeah, it's going to hurt a lot of people, but it's, it's for the good of the universe or whatever the, but it doesn't matter. Um, those kind of characters are now the norm, which is great. Cool. Um, it's fine. Even even Smider and I are working on a villain that is going to be like, have like what people would consider noble intentions, but like is still clearly a villain because they're not doing the right thing. Um, I was reading an article talking about, well, not an article. It was a discussion on Reddit of people talking about heels in WWE. Uh-huh. Mm. Go and on. they're talking about how heels for like ever since the mid 2000s, the like, distant past, the distant past of the mid 2000s, that there's been so many like cool heels. Right. And the 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 whole thing about that is like there's so many like it's hard to boo somebody that's cool when Stone Cold went heel. Like, oh, he's a heel, but he's cool. We like him still. And, like, when The Rock became The Rock and went heel, like, he was still really cool. So we had a hard time booing him. And we still love him, even if he's Hollywood Rock or, you know, whatever. And so, like, people were talking about they kind of really appreciate Dominic Mysterio right now because he's just a little turd nugget (laughs) and he's great to hate. Like he's doing a very good job of making people just be like, Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him get smashed folded in in half. Right. I want to see somebody fold him, (laughs) you know? And that is a company sister. That is a fact. Yeah, exactly. That is effectively what we get with High Evolutionary in this movie. And he's he's bad and he's delusional and he's all like, I need to make things perfect, even though you haven't done it yet. You've done this for so long, just constantly trying to change DNA and oh, yeah. change things and make things different. Um, and so... Oh, yeah. But, no, no, it's just, uh, that's a ton of text, Will. I'm... I'm I, I'm trying to listen to jingles while you're posting all that. Sorry. Yeah, he's he's talking about Drax's daughter. Drax, and there's a long line of all. But he was raised by mentor Thanos' dad, and there'll be a monk. And Okay. Sorry, I'll keep it short. Hang on. Go ahead. Yeah. Either we pump the brakes on what we're doing or and read all that or just save it for later. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. All right. Sorry, bro. Heels, Dominic, little turd bag. Yeah, and that's what we get with uh, High Evolutionary. So, mm. like, he's doing a good job of being this really hateable villain. Very refreshing. And, like, he's not even trying to perfect anything for the betterment of anyone else. He just wants a perfect society, and then when he gets that, I guess he'll just watch it and be happy and satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's unclear what he would do if he ever got that perfect 
society. Yeah. yeah. Like that's not he like, he will he talks a lot about how like he's doing this for the higher life form societies. But every time that that opportunity comes up, it's clear that that's not the case. Yeah. And so uh, that's high evolutionary did a very good job. And uh, let me let me see the actor's name again, because it is not a very English name. Mm. No, it's not. I have to scroll up a little bit. Uh, Chakudi E. Iwuji, that actor uh, was fantastic in the role. Oh, and, yeah. Like we already know, he was going to be great because when they talked about high evolutionary being a thing, and they were they were talking because you brought it up, Will, mm. when they were doing that for Comic Con, and then uh, he showed up Chikuri, dressed in the outfit. Shakuri showed up in the outfit and was all like, "Oh, you're imperfect. You're ugly," yeah. uh, and like just. Just yeah, throwing yeah. sick promos on the crowd. <laughs> and it's just like, I hate the MCU universe. Ah, you guys are a bunch ah, of losers that live boo, in your basement. And all that. He was just <laughs> cutting promos on people. By the way, way better than The Rock did when he showed up as Black Adam. Oh, oh gosh. And I would say that to his face. <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to tell The Rock, Dwayne, The Rick Johnson. Oh, Oh, no, no. He's not as cool as he thinks he is. <laughs> you suck. Bomb, bomb. You oh, suck. Wow. Dun, dun. You, you suck. Do, do. You suck. Wow. Wow. And he was a perfect villain for this kind of story. Absolutely. And I have told Smiter over and over and over and over again I want to have, like, it doesn't have to be very often. Um, but I want to have just a, just a bad guy. Look, here's the deal. Uh-oh. What is always going to work out is what is always refreshing for the time. Let's not forget, this isn't the first time that they've had a villain like this in the MCU. Loki made... A massive splash mm-hmm. when he showed up. Right. And he was just bad. And he was okay with being just bad. Mm-hmm. I'll read that as, as soon as we're and done talking. it's cool that Marvel is now so big and so wide that you could pick and choose whichever one's your favorite, dude. Like Loki set a standard for bad guys when he came out as I'm just a bad guy and that's okay and then after that we got we built up to Thanos who was a bad guy doing a bad thing for a noble reason in his mind an incredibly twisted reason a noble reason and now we've got villains that are doing that more as a trend totally fine and now we've got the high evolutionary back. When I'm saying it, when I'm, I'm bringing this up to drive the point home that we, we are now so spoiled for good villains that you could really just pick and choose whichever one you want. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm going to check out that thing that got posted. 
Okay. Right, here, I'll, I'll, I'll read the, the snippet from the article that you shared, Will. Okay. Where it says, as Rocket's crew chats about their favorite Earth musicians in honor of their former Captain Quill, while on a mission, the roster is revealed. Groot looks bigger than he or his father has ever been. Kraglin, as he continues to carry on Yondu's, Michael Rooker's, whistling, whistling legacy. Cosmo the space dog, who had been who put her telekinetic abilities on full display in Volume 3, Adam Warlock, the sovereign Superman in search of redemption, and Phyla Vell, a child who was one of High Evolutionary's prisoners and test subjects, and whose comic book counterpart happens to become an extremely powerful cosmic hero who claims the title of Captain Marvel for a time. I'm looking up the information on Phyla Vell and Heather Douglas. And Heather Douglas and Phyla Vell are two separate characters. Swish. Um, and he- Heather Douglas is Moon Dragon. Now, Moon, or yeah, Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon and uh, Phylavel have teamed up multiple times. But Moon Dragon is Drax's daughter. Phylavel is Marvel's daughter. They are two different characters. So basically, the MCU kind of smashed him up into two different, into one person. I don't know why you would say <laughs> oh that. that. That's not what was suggested. Because the MCU. James Gunn in the interviews that I listened to referred to her as Moon Dragon. So that's what I'm saying. And if I'm not mistaken, Fowler Bells also had that title. So I'm thinking either she was mashed up in the comics or she was mashed up in the in the in the MCU. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Phyla Vell's uh, aliases that she's ever had. Here's the list. Captain Marvel, Quasar, Martyr, Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes, and Phi. And also, Holy One and Protector of the Universe. Never once was she referred to as Moondragon. And I sent the the list of 616 uh, Phyla Vell into the chat. You can read that when you want to. Yeah. That's what I was reading before we started talking. Now was after all of this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just, I'm, right. I'm looking. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like Hive Evolutionary is just really great. Uh, I do wish that there had been some way to, I mean, it, it, I don't want to say that Marvel has a bad habit of killing their villains, but Marvel says they had a bad habit of killing their villains. Uh, but, I mean, could he yes. survive in the multiverse? It's possible. You know, we could see him again. And, Dude, uh, he's not dead. You know, well, I mean... Nobody, no Nobody, no death. No so that's possible. <laughs> Very much right. Very much right on that. Uh, they, they straight up left him alive. Could very well have scur- scurried off somewhere. He might have been able to. Yeah, we don't we don't know if he died, but I know that I know that there are going to be some people that are really into the high evolutionary because he was so important to um, Quicksilver and to Scarlet Witch and especially to Spider Woman, who we haven't met yet in the That's MCU. Right. And people, I know people have been really hard chomping at the bit for Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I'm also interested to whenever they get Spider Woman into the MCU. I feel like it is an eventuality. Um, but he's integral in the comics to that. But I also know that because the MCU has been going on for how it's been how it's been doing, a lot of those other people's origin stories are different 
from how they are in the comics. Because, once again, the MCU, MCU changes things. Right. So, um, there's always going to be, like, they can bring in Spider-Woman. They don't have to include the high evolutionary in that thing. And I mean, like, we got a whole series of X-Men movies, mm -hmm. and not once did we get Mr. Sinister. True. Yeah. And he is mega integral for so many characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even when Cable finally showed up in Deadpool 2, yeah. nothing about Mr. Not, not a peep, not a mention of nothing. Not Nothing about Madeline Pryor showing up? Nope. Nothing. So... Maybe, maybe not. We'll see what they decide to do with the MCU. And if they don't, like, there's a bunch of different other things that you can partake in. Just read the comics if you want that kind of information. Right. Definitely so. Definitely so. Uh, here's another question for you, because I want to make, well, first of all, I want to make sure, did everybody get their moment there? Thoughts on the end there as far as that goes? Because we kind of went off topic on the file of veil thing for a bit. So I just want to make sure everybody right. had the chance to express. Well, what what was the original thing we were talking about? I was reading and so, trying to find stuff. So we were talking about the kind of where they're going to go, but also the villain. Because we were probably talking about the high evolutionary. And kind of mm -hmm. our thoughts on him as a villain and, and if he was... If he was as you know good, you know if he's as good as a villain. And my only thing was that I wish they had to killed him. Like, even though I know, it, like Spider said, you know, no body, no death. So I mean, we could very well see him right. come back and be involved later in another thing at some point. I mean, that's very possible. So that that's really all I had to say on it. So all right. Oh, and I'm reading over the, the the text that you gave. It also refers to both Moondragon and Philovel as two different people um, in the text uh, that it, you shared. Yep, and I'm I'm seeing that now, but I'm I'm looking because I could have sworn he said something about that this was Moondragon, and I gotta find that interview. Maybe that could have been a mistake by the gun. That could have been a mistake by me. I don't know. Is it possible? To gaslight yourself. <laughs> I think Will might have gaslighted himself in the past. <laughs> Not on purpose. He did it by accident, yeah. for sure. I, I'm for your birthday, Will, I'm gonna try and get like a really nice shirt printed for you. And on the front, it'll just have like little tiny letters that are kind of hard to read. So you have to kind of get up close in order to read them for anybody to see them. But I'll just right in the center of a chest, it just says so close. So close. So close. What else you got, Will? Yes, that, what that, else you got, Will? So then we go from the villain to another fun question for you. So we've talked about the characters we liked overall. We talked about the what was the favorite story beat that you enjoyed? And I'll start us off simply saying the story beat for me that I really enjoyed was the town. The the near earth town that High Evolutionary created. And kind of seeing the guardians trying to trying to figure out how to save this city, but being so out of place. Like there are these moments where Drax is fighting with trying to figure out whether he's supposed to lay on the couch or sit on the couch. And there's everybody's just like, No, you sit on it, Drax. You don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> and then even like trying to when Peter's trying to drive the car, he gets Gamora in the car not Gamora, but he gets um Nebula in the car, and then he starts driving, and she's all like, what are you doing? He's like, the last time I drove was I was eight years old, okay? 
<laughs> it's just like that that beat I thought was really interesting because it kind of reminded me that these heroes that a lot of the world around this group had seen as heroes, they still had moments where they just they, they didn't quite gel. Like they, they, they had those errors in movement. And I appreciated that because, you know, they, they could have came in and been, seemed like very polished and, you know, like the Avengers for the most part. You know, the Avengers for the most part come off as a polished team even when they're still trying to figure out how they're going to get there. You know, but the mm-hmm. Guardians seem like sometimes they bumble into things and then the whole, you know, I'm trying to go on the ship to save you. It's like, well, we're already off the ship <laughs> thing. So I thought that was interesting how they played them working Eventually coming together on the ship, you know, and just tearing people up. But it took a while to get to that point. So I, I really enjoyed that story because it reminded me that while these heroes are viewed as heroes in other places, they, they sometimes will still bumble in the middle of things. It's right, great to sure. kind of see that and then to kind of have them come together in the hallway and just be like, y- y- you're done. <laughs> you know, it may have taken us this long to get here, but you're done. You know, we're, we're going to deal with you now. Yeah. You know, you don't mess with the Guardians. <laughs> that was a fun one. Uh, story beats for me were just all of uh, Rocket's backstory stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really, I was, and I told Smiter this uh, on the way back home after we got done watching the movie. I was stressing the entire time. Yeah. I'm all like, what's, it's, like, I felt something scary was going to happen at like, every corner right for like every shot in that i was like oh no something terrible is gonna i i don't there's something that i don't want to see happen happen and it's gonna be bad i'm not gonna like it mm-hmm. and for the most part it was all right yeah and well it, it, it played out to be expected yeah uh i was expecting some like more terrible things but yeah just seeing the characters of like floor teeth lila and rocket all together mm. and kind of seeing the state that they were all in yeah was like already hard to look at yeah but beyond that it was mostly fine up until when rocket finally unlocks the door and then you get to mm. you see the loss of each of the characters and mm. rocket goes berserk and takes his first grown man life mm-hmm. yeah and that was pretty awesome uh but the, the the whole sequence i was just like stressing because i'm like somebody's gonna shoot somebody or somebody's gonna explode and mm-hmm. it's gonna be terrible and i'm gonna cry mm-hmm. but then it didn't happen until like the parts of the movie where it you expect it to actually happen right yeah. right right so i was stressing myself out because yeah. i'm so used to so many of these movies like oh specifically r-rated films when you're like oh this is a moment of levity and then something terrible happens. But in this movie, the moments of levity are actually moments of levity. Yeah, they're there to make you feel better. Yeah, to make you feel a little bit better, even in this terrible, terrible, dire situation. Yeah. Right. I don't think those cages were very sanitary. No. To be honest. <laughs> no. I don't think those were very clean working conditions. Nope. No, I will say this too, man. They, I don't know how they did it, but man, they made, they had more fake outs in the NBA finals on some of the stuff they were doing. As far as stuff, like when you see the stuff in the trailers at certain points, you're like, you know, they're carrying Peter Quill and you're thinking, oh my gosh, is he dead? Is he dead? And then you realize they carried him because he was drunk off his butt. Yep. 
I was when I saw that part happening, I was like, oh, Will was like a hundred percent convinced that Peter was gonna die super hard in this movie. Yeah. And I remember you said that I on did. the podcast. I did. You yeah. were you were certain that that was going to happen. And then it happened at the very beginning of the movie. And it's like, oh, he's just blasted. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're just kind of carrying him out. And it's not even like a somber scene. It's kind of funny. It is kind of sad in the fact that he's depressed and drinking a whole lot. Right. But it, it was still kind of like a higher. Uh, it, it was funnier than it was expected to be mm-hmm. and apparently another james gunn thing about that thing was that was that was not actually um that was not actually uh chris pratt that was a doll that they made of That's him very convinc- well i mean uh say what you want to say about karen gillian um i don't think she could carry chris pratt yeah like that. yeah <laughs> she's not that she's very small yeah She's tall but small, but still it, yes. interesting. But yeah, so they made a life size doll of, of Chris Pratt to have that scene there, and so uh, looked good. I, I it, it, yeah, very practical, very practical effect. You know, they could have they could have CG'd it, but they were like, "Now nah, we're gonna build a doll for practical purposes." So I thought thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Worked out. Mm-hmm. What about you, brother? What was your favorite story beat? This one may be a little bit off. Um, may not be the most popular pick, but I actually really liked the heist that they did inside of the uh, oh, Living Planet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool! It's all <laughs> meat. Oh, it's all flesh. <laughs> it's all flesh and gross. Yeah. It's moments like this that I really crave the certainty of steel. Mm. Yeah. Fun fact too: the- Nathan Fillion was in that scene of course as the leader of the soldiers that were in there and he was supposed to actually be uh simon williams in the in the second movie he was supposed to show up as part of the guardians and they cut the scene and the only other part was a it was a poster of simon williams he was simon williams playing different roles like they had him play like tony stark and some other stuff and then they cut that as well and so, you know, they, like Nathan, like Nathan Fillion was supposed to be in every movie. He ended up doing the voice of the prisoner that uh, Groot kind of grew into his nose with. Oh, whatever they were going I, after. I had to look it up. I'm like, who are you talking about? Nathan Fillion was was. Mm. Are you looking up Wonder Man or are you looking up Nathan Fillion? No, I was the name Simon Williams. I'm like, who the heck is Simon Williams? Oh, yeah. Wonder Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's an actor. Remember? Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 But they've already like said that they've got Wonder another Man, person that's going to be they this got person. A yep. Completely different guy to be Wonder Man. The guy that played the uh, Black Manta in the Aquaman movie. Black Manta. Black Manta will guarantee that himself. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. So. I thought that was interesting that they got Nathan Fillion in the movie finally in a role where you could see his face. So for all those people that love him in uh, as a brown coat in uh, that sci-fi series he was in, you know, now you get to see him. As, MCU. That that one sci-fi series, you know the one. You know it. You know yeah. the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on. We'll wait. It's okay. We'll wait. No, I I had a brain freeze. I can't think of the name of the series. Serenity was the name Uh, of... Very, very close. That's the name of the movie. I was getting ready to say that. The name of the movie. Um, 
that was based off of it, but I can't think of the name of the show. I, I have brain farts like that all the time. <sighs> it's all good. It's uh, Firefly. Firefly. There we go. The show is Firefly. And I the ship was called The Serenity. Remember, the theme song goes, it's Firefly. It's, it's Firefly. Firefly. It's Firefly. It's Firefly. It's not, a, it's not at all how the theme song actually no. goes. He's, he's doing a bit. Nailed it in one. <laughs> Got it in one. Da, 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 da. But anyway, I thought that was really cool. But Yep. So what part did Nathan Fillion actually end up playing in the end? Let me look it was just some guy? up the role here. I don't know if he had a name as a soldier. Uh, so Nathan Fillion did end up playing Wonder Man in a project. Can you guess what it was? Uh, I'm going to say Earth's Mightiest Avengers, just because. Ooh, Earth's nope. Mightiest Avengers. Earth's Mightiest Avengers. You know, that one show. The cartoon. It's Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Dad, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Unless you were thinking about Avengers Assemble, I think you smashed those two shows together. Ah. But Nathan, Nathan played Wonder Man in the Modoc show. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, Master Karja. Was the role okay. he played, the chief security officer of Ogocorp. Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, anything to me. So I'm going to assume that's not an important character. No, he was just the guy that Although, whenever they came into the, they came in, they were in the little shaft or whatever. And he's the first guy that comes no, in. I, and I know who he stupid, was. Yeah. I'm just saying he doesn't sound like an important comic book character. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I'm not going to worry about it. But I will say because. Um, James Gunn does have a bad habit, if you want to call it a bad habit. I don't casting, think it's a bad habit of at casting all. his friends uh, of bringing in obscure comic book characters into his movies that yeah. nobody cares about. Yep. So, hey, I would have believed that this was like some Whoa, guy what? that was important. Are you in telling the me people aren't excited about the detachable kid? Yeah, TDK. <laughs> in the Suicide Squad. <laughs> yes. No, you see. And no, everybody's a, favorite character. A super smart thing that he does in the Suicide Squad is that he uses these obscure comic book characters as canon fodder. And also dresses them up like comic accurate. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Yeah. And then, again, canon fodder. Canon fodder. It was great. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Or his original name, Arms Fall Off Boy. Yep. Which sounds like the the greatest cover band for Fallout Boy ever. I don't know. I'd have to buy some tickets and find out myself. There you go. Uh, that sound like a Fallout Boy cover band that the, the music cuts out every so often. <laughs> or the sound cuts out. So they're in the middle of centuries and the sound just cuts out and like, oh, you can't hear them. And then it comes back. And it's all weird. Yeah. Or or it cuts out. They know it's going to cut out. So then all of a sudden they're just like, uh, they you know, they one of the guys on stage, whenever it cuts out, just holds the mic out to the audience to see if they know the lyrics. And they just start singing the lyrics until the music kicks back in. Because mm-hmm. that'd be funny. All right, brothers, stand down for just a second. After seeing your forms, it's apparent that your kung fu skills, while great, 
you're lacking one thing. That's your nerd kung fu. If you want to get that up and you want to learn how the nerd kung fu works best, check out the link in the description of the episode of the podcast. You get a chance to support the show and get some cool licensed gear from all sorts of geek fandoms all over the world. Now go on. Go get your nerd kung fu on. But anyway, so um, story beats. I think we've covered story beats. We've talked about story beats. Uh, what do you see the future of the Guardians? The are we, other than the fact that we know that Star Lord will be coming back, the legendary, the legendary, legendary Star Lord. Uh, it's a hard read for me. I'm sure that we're going to see them in a bunch of other crossover material, but I don't see them holding another solo film for a while. I mean, obviously they haven't announced it because they're very upfront about their phase plans, but we'll see. I mean, do you yep. think anybody else could handle the Guardians as well think, as James Gunn did? I think I think anybody can handle the Guardians, but it's not going to be the same way that James Gunn did. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and put James Gunn on some sort of pedestal like nobody could ever make comic book movies like James Gunn. Too because many people are doing that already. The, yeah, there's already True. too many people. True. So like the the oh man, the movies couldn't have been good without this director, even though oh there was the writers that were involved and the production crew and the filmmakers and. The cinematographers and like oh no those guys aren't important right you know I gotcha. uh, and so um it but at the same time like there was a time when we thought that taika waititi was gonna take over and do guardians of the galaxy 3 back when james gunn was hashtag canceled for silly things mm-hmm. and we thought for a second that that was gonna happen but taika said like i can't do his vision of these characters. I refuse to do it. I'm going to just stick with Thor and stuff because that's what I'm working on. And so like, I believe that I believe anybody can make a good movie. They just need to have the right vision. I think the major issue that I've had with a lot of Marvel stuff lately is that it feels really corporatized and Mm. very like, hands on by the studios to make it I don't want to say cookie cutter but very put into a mold like they've been molded in a certain way and need to follow a certain thing what could the term formulaic describe what you're talking about formulaic could be a word that could be used to describe it for sure and I don't really hate that but the movie's will get kind of stagnant by doing that. Yeah. And honestly, like... You gotta inject some new juice in there once in a while. There's very... There's a whole bunch of people online that are very hard on this new... um, What's the word? Phase? Phase, thank you. This new phase phase, of the MCU. Armchair experts, if you will. Armchair experts that are like, oh, Marvel's over, it sucks, it's bad. It's been very formulaic, and I will give it that because I'm not going to fully defend the MCU and what it's been doing. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania had some cool moments, but there Mm. was a lot of formulaic stuff. And they also didn't do justice to my favorite character of all time, MODOK. So, uh, like, obviously I have my own complaints for it, but at the same time, I'm like, well, the MCU changes stuff. I'm not going to be super mad about it. And it was funny. 
Yeah. Like Darren Cross was funny yeah. as Modoc. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know what sort of ultra sinister Modoc you were expecting. Modoc has never been taken seriously. <laughs> Modoc wasn't even taken seriously in his own series that Hulu did before this. Which, well, to be fair, that series is oh, in yeah. fact we're a talking comedy. about even more. Than but that. even in the yeah. comics, when yeah. he's like, you know, I'm a big important thing. Yeah. And oh, but everybody makes fun of him because he's a baby in a metal diaper. And I think that's fine. I'm not like I wasn't expecting anything Shakespearean out of Quantumania. Um, I don't really expect anything amazing from most movies that come out these days but i do uh expect good things from people that are visionaries i don't like the avatar series i think it's like it's trying to be an art film but also try to be mainstream and i honestly don't know how it's making so much money but some people must like it. At least a, a ton of people must like it. And I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum if they truly do love the Avatar series. Don't yuck the yum. I'm not going to yuck no yum. Don't yuck no James yum. James Cameron's Avatar. <laughs> oh, we and know so, because we know the other Avatar that they tried to do. I wanted not- to specify oh, in my. case there's I'm in, t- in case there's any smooth brain people listening. But of course, only big brain people listen to this podcast. That's right. <laughs> Escaping from the cranium. Yep. And so, but it, those are like, I will give it, James Cameron is a visionary and is really, really pushing hard special effects. Those Mm. movies are gorgeous to look at. They look splendid. They are amazing to look at. I don't really like the story very much. Thank you. Actually. Yeah. Cause everybody carries on about like how CGI looks so much worse than practical effects. And then Avatar comes out and everyone is like, Oh my God, it looks so good. It's a short argument that I've had with some other people online that I, I really care about and love talking with them about this kind of thing. It's all like, Oh, CGI is bad. And it's like, no, the main problem is, is that you don't have special effects people mm-hmm. that are like making these movies. Yeah. Right. When you do, you get visionary, beautiful movies because they're people that are in special effects making these movies. That's why Guillermo del Toro's movies are stunning mm-hmm. and beautiful. Maybe you might not like the story so much, but Pacific Rim is a perfect film. So yeah, I don't know what to so tell you. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> you may you may not like it, but Pacific Rim is a perfect is a film. perfect film. So kind of get over it, I guess. Oh, look, but, look, I I have always thought it was interesting how during Blade Two, because Guillermo del Toro did Blade Two, and a lot of people knocked Blade Two. But I'm just like, Blade 2 was a freaking masterpiece compared to the third movie, first of all. Right. Let's just hard stop that pass right there. Secondly, the fact that the man literally said that his wife pointed out to him at one point, why is there a vagina in the movie? And then you come to find out that every movie he intentionally puts a vagina reference into the film at some point. Because of the joke that his wife made about Blade 2. Because he was just like, Oh, well, you didn't know I did this, and then yeah. So, but but that 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 kind of humor is just weird and kind of twisted to me. But that's not the fact. The man makes really beautiful, wonderful movies. And I mean, I'm sorry, it gave me Donnie Yen. 
Like, that's all I needed in life. I mean, Wait, what gave you Donnie Yen? What? Blade yeah, 2. I feel like we're losing the oh, plot. Oh, Blade 2 gave you, yes. Blade, Blade 2, 2 gave you Donnie Yen. Yes. Great. I, I, I was, my mind was still on uh, Pacific Rim, and I'm like, what are yeah, you talking was, about? My <laughs> mind was still on Avatar, and I was like, well, I don't know what's well, going on. Because we, we started talking about no, I got gotcha. uh, I got gotcha. yeah. I followed. There you go. Good deal. I'll, I'll let us get back to topic now. Right. <laughs> and so, like... Yes, a lot of CGI stuff isn't looking super great these days, but it's the it, you there's a lot of visionary stuff that goes into it and you you talk to visual effects people and they will tell you that most directors don't keep visual effects in mind when they're making movies. Most of yeah. them don't. Yeah. They're about shooting actors together and getting the most out of performances and maybe out of lighting and mm. out of positions and stuff. Yeah. And those people aren't necessarily going to be the best for making superhero movies that are going to require a lot of CGI. Yeah. Right. However, there are some superhero movies that don't require a whole lot of CGI and those directors are going to shine in it. Yep. Um, what was really great about the first Iron Man movie is how much of it was practical. Mm-hmm. And they had to do some CGI work for it, but they made it look good. Mm-hmm. And you can go back 2008 and still watch that movie, and it still, still looks fantastic. Up. Yep. It looks great. And so it's, it's, I think one of the problems is, is like there's a big focus on CGI, but, you know, like people are expecting it in movies these days, but I don't know if it's so much that um, audiences are expecting a whole lot of CGI in these movies so much as I think maybe the higher ups at the studios think that that's what the viewing audience wants. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the wires across there. I could be wrong there. I've been wrong before in the past, but when you get somebody that is, like visually designed focus Mm -hmm. then it's going to end up looking great and guardians of the galaxy all three of the guardians of the galaxy movies but three especially and also the suicide squad those are both very very good looking movies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was because james gunn knows how to work with the special effects teams mm-hmm. and Guillermo del Toro too. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro too. And his movies are stunning to look at. Mm-hmm. So this movie ended up looking like one of the best MCU movies. And I think it actually ends up looking better than uh Quantumania did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I, I don't want to say Quantumania was a disappointment because I wasn't expecting a whole lot with Quantumania. Sure. Fair enough. And the tonally Quantumania is so very different from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. They had like a different vibe, a different feel, and a different focus for those movies. They were like comedies, but, you know, also superhero movies. Yeah. They, these, this last one didn't, have in, didn't even have a Louise scene in it. So it feels tonally different, yeah. and the whole thing was more serious. And, and I it mean, was, the, what was it? The past two were heists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in this, this movie, one, felt like a high. It had a heist theme too, but he, he didn't have his crew with him. It was just him and Hank and 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 the family. Yeah, but they couldn't also plan ahead. They right. had to, yeah. They were winging it the whole time. Yeah. Yep. But the whole point of that movie was to set up Kang, which is fine. Jonathan Majors killed it in that role. He did very very good. You can go back and listen. I say I have no complaints with Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror in that movie, but. 
unfortunately, the main focus of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania was to set up Kang the Conqueror to be the next big bad for the next few phases of the MCU. But in this one, this Guardians of the Galaxy 3, its main focus was this is a send-off to James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy series in right. general. It's not going to be a hard stop for the Guardians because, spoiler alert, where I mean, we're going spoilers for this review anyway. Yeah. All of the Guardians survived. Yep. They're still out there. They're just going to do their own thing. Which is so cool. Um, and so that's going to be the focus. They're still out there. And it says the legendary Star-Lord will return. He'll be back. Yep. We're going to get more. But now James Gunn is going to go off and hopefully save DC and make some movies that will rival the MCU so that both sides of these monoliths of comic book movie making start cranking out the best comic book movies we've ever had. That's all I want. That's That's what I'm hoping for. I just want them to be the best. That's all. That's it. And so... All, all in all, man, I, the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was a great send-off. And I, honestly, it reminded me very much of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, a little bit. And the fact that it's all like, this is kind of a send-off. We're not 100% sure if Spider-Man's even going to be able to come back for the MCU. Yeah. So while they were making that, they were like, oh, I don't know. Sony's going to want to be cool about this or whatever. Right. Like, but I mean, like it, it goes back and forth because also Disney wanted like a bigger percentage for Spider-Man films and stuff. It, it's dumb. It, yeah. I, I hate corporate shenaniganizing. It's the most annoying thing to me. Yeah. And so, but this felt like okay, this is a send-off for these characters and for James Gunn as a director for Marvel. Um, and I'm I'm willing to to see what's going to happen with the future. I'm not expecting a whole lot because I think we need to focus on visionary directors mm-hmm. that want that have a vision for these characters yeah. and have a plan. And hopefully Kevin Feige will be all like, yes, that sounds good. You do that. Yeah. Um, and Cosmonaut was saying, like, it's quite clear that James Gunn was kind of allowed to pretty much do whatever he wanted for this movie right yeah and so it's different it's we weird in good it's, hands it's very james gunn yeah it's just like how thor love and thunder was very taika waititi for better or worse right some people might not like everything that taika does but yeah you know it's very taika yeah mm-hmm. and so like that that's what this movie is and i i think it's a very very good send-off it's a very good third part of a trilogy um, and I think most third parts that I've seen so far with the MCU, the third part tends to be quite good. Um, unless you're snotty and can't fully comprehend how great Iron Man 3 actually is. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that was a bad one. No, oh, well, you're bad. thank you. <laughs> you know what? In defense of Iron Man 3, you're, that movie's not bad. You're bad. <laughs> You're bad for not liking it. You know what? You're bad. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I would say you're bad for liking it, but that's a whole new thing. Oh, that's them's fighting words. <laughs> well, let's fight. Let's get in the ring. Let's go. Give me some gloves. Okay, one 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 v one me in multiverses. Oh, guys, yeah. no, no. I'll get slaughtered. Guys, don't do Besides guys, that, yeah, don't do that. I already don't uninstalled do that. that off guys, my computer because it's off my Xbox, off my guys, PS5. Don't, work it. it's don't do that. <laughs> Guys, don't do that. 
Multiverses is dead now. No, it's coming back. It's it's being because that was just the beta. I don't believe you. <laughs> That's what Tony said. <laughs> That's what Tony said. I'm this sorry. Game director said. I, I, I love. I, I love. love I love that. I, love, I don't no, believe Tony you. Told me. <laughs> Tony told me you guys. He said it was coming back. <laughs> That was the greatest, that, Smider, that was the greatest line ever. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't remember what the first question was that started my rant there, but yeah. in defense of superhero movies and the MCU, like there's, it's, it's so easy to just dunk on the MCU for sure. what, this is phase five, right? Or is it six? Yes. Is it six yes. Or five? It's five. We We're in five. five. We're still in five. Uh, like it's easy to dunk on the MCU for what Phase Five has been, and yeah, it's been pretty lackluster. But there have been some high points in it that I really liked. And but there's so many people online that are like they're wanting to hate on the MCU. They're trying right. to find reasons to do it, and I don't. I don't think that's fair, honestly. Uh, I thought What Kind of Forever was great. Mm-hmm. I thought Far From Home was great not far from home no way home no way home was great and i thought volume three guardians volume three was great uh and so like obviously they're not all going to be perfect but that's because personally i don't think they have the the right visionary uh directors to be making these movies Mm -hmm. and i think that i think it'd be a good idea if the mcu were to slow down and just like refocus yeah I I'm looking forward to seeing more of those unique voices coming in because phases one through three were were very controlled. Yeah, very controlled by the core writing staff. Well, phase one was like was still pretty messy. Yeah, it but, was like I mean, when Avengers came up is when yeah. it started getting more controlled. But I mean, I mean, like with with phases one through three it, a lot of it was controlled by the central writing group who were who you basically who were like the final test of hey is this gonna turn out okay right that di- that directors had to go for because those writers would get together as josh brolin described it they would get together in the middle of the desert have a have a barbecue at a great location and then uh iron out the rest of the films and and you know what if they can if they can end up allowing more unique voices to come on in i'm sure that they can re what's the word i'm looking for uh rearrange as they go okay so now we've never done a rating on a movie before and i kind of want to start here basically when we talk about movies going forward um yeah we want to just as a question of time, are we closing on that? Or, we're about, or, we're, I, I do, do we have, have a couple. Segments? I do have a, just a couple of quick news blips to end on, uh, real quick. Nothing major, nothing long, talky. Uh, we're just about done. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so the rating system is real simple. Uh, it's a rating scale out of ten. If we say okay, if we go one through five, we're gonna say yeah, you know, you can go see the movie. It's no big deal. You know, you can go see it. But just understand, it may not be that great. Um, six through eight is like, you know, you should go check it out. 
You know, you really should go check it out. Nine or ten is like you should have seen this like four times already. So that's kind of that's kind of my rating system I'm working off of for right now. That may change, but as of right now, that's kind of what I'm going with. So I'm put that out there. So um, I'm gonna say that this movie was a ten for me. Uh, I definitely wouldn't mind going back and seeing it a few times uh, because they really managed to make me feel a lot of things. Uh, and like I said, it also made me think about the prior movies and it also kind of put those movies in a different perspective for me, uh, which was really cool because they didn't tell me this was coming before they did it. They just did it. And then it's like, oh, now I can see this through a whole new scope. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say 10 out of 10 for me. Dang, that's huge. I was going to give it a 9 out of 10. Because I'll, give, I'll split the difference and go 9.5. 9.5. Is that actually what you want? Or are you just being weird? Uh, are you just being... <laughs> oh, I'm just being super weird. Okay, cool. Uh, I give it a 9 out of 10 because um, I thought that the movie was paced really well. The acting was great. The comedy was great. The story was great. Everything absolutely was like knocked it out of the park. And a really good send-off for these characters and for the director himself as he goes off to hopefully brighter and bolder endeavors in the future. Um, the only thing that keeps it from being a 10 out of 10 for me is that uh, if, if, it, if this movie was of this exact same quality and exact same storytelling, but with like some of my absolute favorite comic book characters, I'd probably give it a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. But because it's the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I've never been a massive fan of the comic book characters. And honestly, like how good the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are honestly makes the comic book characters not good by comparison. And so that shows that that raises these characters up for me personally. Um, I think that the Guardians of the Galaxy films are definitely some of the high points of the MCU in general. But uh, I can't give it a perfect score because I feel like there's still there could have been more. I think that would have pushed me over. And I think part of that is if it was if it had to do with characters that I personally have loved for like my whole life. Like if it was, this was the same uh, storytelling and, and uh, quality and all of that, but it was set in Star Wars, I'd give it a, a hard Just, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. But, you know, because it's Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I give it a 9 out of 10, which is still, go out and watch it like a couple times in theaters yeah. if you can pull that off. Uh, but it's it's not quite perfect for me. Yeah, I feel a lot of the same way. I I would also give it a nine out of ten, and it's interesting because I didn't realize that that was a qualifier for the both of us. Was look if the film is great, that's a nine out of ten. The only thing that keeps it from being a ten out of ten for us is if it went from a on paper structurally a great film. The only thing that keeps it from being a 10 out of 10 for us is that it just didn't resonate with us personally. Right. And that could be anything from, oh, they went over subject matter that I personal that personally is important to me or it didn't feature or it wasn't a story about characters that I am extremely invested in. 
It's it, like the finale of Avatar The Last Airbender. That's 10 out of 10. That's a 10 out of 10. That's 10 out of 10. I think Gar- Empire Strikes Back is a 10 out of 10. Is a 10 out of 10. And this, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Not an insult to it. No. But that should let you know how good it is on its own merit. It's very, 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 very good. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. We got our ratings. There you go. Uh, let us know in the places you can reach us what your ratings are for this. As a matter of fact, that'll be the question for the Spotify question was what, how do you rate? If you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, what's your rating of it? Just out of curiosity. So two quick news things and we're out because we're true patriots. We're true Americans. And um, if you tell me, you're, I, I'm telling you, we're true Americans. And I'm going to talk let about me these tell you things. something, brother. <laughs> Uh, real quick, number one, uh, we got set photos of Captain America: New World Order, and apparently WWE oh, superstar yes, Seth freaking Rollins is post him, post him. I want to see him first. I, I've I've seen. Uh, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was the Rasslin subreddit uh, shared some photos and oh, there's some photos, and I was all like, Rollins. "That's just Seth Rollins." Seth yeah. Rollins is part of the Serpent Society, and. Um, so he'll be, we don't know who he is in the Serpent Society. We just know he's dressed in the garb of the Serpent Society. So hopefully there'll be a moment where he goes for a curb stomp on Sam. But we also got a new uh, image of the new outfit for Brother, Sam. We didn't even see a Batista bomb in Guardians 3. No, but, yeah. you know, I can, I can want it. I can want it. It don't mean it has to happen. You but can, I can want you it. can want so much. Yeah, like you just want it a you full want match. Something. You want them to be teleported to an actual match. Just, just all of a sudden, Sam and uh, just Sam and them go and just be like, boom. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know uh, those set photos that I saw. I don't, I don't know what who you're seeing. That's clearly not Seth Rollins. That's a that's an actor named Colby Lopez. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, it, it, it's Colby. Lo- okay. Post him, post him, post him, post him, post him, post him. Oh, he can't see Instagram posts. What? I'm going to check. Whoa, okay, hey, who's this Colby guy? <laughs> I didn't realize. I thought I shared the post. I didn't realize it was sharing Instagram itself. Hang on. But uh, but that that's it's news okay. number I'm one. It's okay. on the link. And then yeah, will news it, will number it still work for you. News number two involves Marvel Comics deciding apparently in the wake of the Marvels coming out uh, here pretty soon. Um, they killed Miss Marvel. And they killed Kamala Khan. They're killing Kamala Oh, yeah, that Khan hasn't been released yet. In a future comic book, I believe in either June or July, they're killing her in the Amazing Spider-Man comic because yep. they just want to make Spider-Man's life horrible in those comics because like, they're like, oh, well, you know how you got Mary Jane back after years with Mephisto? Yeah, she's dated some other dude now. And, and you know, we're going to kill Kamala Khan in your Spider-Man book. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm just like. I adore every time, every time, Will. Uh-oh. You're talking about something. And I just go, Ugh. And then you start revving up a little bit. And then every time you go, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, the man has no words. The man has no words, and now he's gonna have some words. All I'm gonna say is, is that you know, in a world 
Marvel, you're missing opportunities. That's all I'm going to say. Because in a world where you got these movies and things coming out, why would you try to kill your character? One of the characters is going to be in a major movie by the end of the year. And I, and I understand what a lot of people are saying, which is, you know, oh, but people don't stay dead in comics unless your Uncle Ben. They could just bring her back in another book. I'm like, but that's not the point. Will, Will is going to argue with himself for a second. Okay, that, cool. That's, that's, no, gotcha. that's it. That's it. That's that's all I'm saying. That's it. That's all I'm gonna do. I promise. That's all I'm gonna do, brother. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's all I say. So if y'all got, if y'all want to weigh in, that's some cute. That's some cute news. You want to weigh in on it? You can. If not, no big deal. I just feel like you know Marvel. Sure, I'll weigh. I'll weigh in on this thing that I've I've talked about that I don't read the modern the the latest comics because they like to do stuff like this, you know. I'll weigh in. It's dumb. I actually, like, I saw the posts about it and people talking about it. And some people are mad. Other people are mad by the way she dies. Some people are mad that uh, she doesn't uh, pray to Allah when she dies. Um, A whole bunch of stuff. People are mad, Mm -hmm. but for, like, different reasons. Sure. And I'm upset. I was like, Marvel. I just started liking Kamala. <laughs> and you want to just kill her now? Right when I'm like, oh, now I like her. Oh, yeah. never mind. She's gone now. Yeah. But once again, this comic hasn't come out yet. I'm well, sure with this kind of outrage. You remember the last time that they put out information about a comic and then people were like really mad about it? Did that comic get released? You know, if you're talking about that one comic with the safe space and the and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, and the other oh, characters he's trying. and the, and, uh, and the one with the backpack that was a Native American screen girl time, snowflakes, stuff. safe space, yeah. trailblazer, yeah. be negative. Yes, I remember their names. Trailblazer, because that doesn't sound stereotypical at all that a Native American character would be named Trailblazer, but. <laughs> You see, it always feels like Will is trying to like knock at something that's not the same thing that we're knocking. No, that's at. not the same. That's not the same thing for me. That's not the same thing. But that is a point that should be made. You know, thank are you, you. going to also I be mad it. that Apache Chief is called Apache Chief? Look, Knocked that was a different era. Okay, you had a Chinese guy literally named Samurai, and you had Black Vulcan who was literally a knockoff of Black Lightning. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Hmm. 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 But anyway, so that. But yes, that is the comic I'm referring to. Yes. yes. And what happened to that comic? And I, I already it, know because these leaks have come out. Mm-hmm. I know because I've been hearing. I've been. I haven't been keeping my nose to the grindstone, but I've been keeping up in the Marvel subreddit. People talking about it. There are tons and tons of people that had pre-ordered this book before they found out that this was happening, canceling their orders. Right. I don't know how much money Marvel is going to be losing from this. Mm-hmm. But first of all, I have a strong disagreement with anybody like leaking story beats for a comic that's coming out. Yeah. I think that's a major like, issue. Good, regardless of if it's good or bad. Right. I disagree with leaks. I, I disagree with leaks doing that. I disagree with leaks. I hate well, leaks. Well, here's the problem, though. And, and let me let me kind of stop you for a second. I, I appreciate that. But here's the thing. Diamond. Remember the Diamond catalog. Is three months out usually. 
So when you do your orders for comics, when stores are doing their orders for comics, this is a public document that anybody that goes to a comic book store can buy. And then the books, usually with Marvel, especially Marvel and DC, they get little separate inserts. And so those inserts come with the Diamond Previews catalog. And so the, 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 the manufacturers are the ones that leaked that out because they're three months ahead on orders. Because what they want you to do, the goal is they want you to know what's coming out three months ahead. They want you to go to your local comic book store. They want you to say, hey, put this in my pull box. Or, hey, I'm going to tell I you want- this, Will. Oh. Let me cut you off for a second. Sure. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a preview that leaked this information. Okay. There was full pages online of the story that were leaked. Oh. So somebody got a hold of the comic and put it out there. Oh, see, now that this I didn't know. This isn't a, hey, here's a preview that we're throwing out there for you guys to look at. This was a full corporate leak. Yeah. yeah of the book. Yeah, that, that's a different situation altogether. Yeah. So when, it, when it's like a little preview things, that's something that the comic book people themselves can still keep vague and keep, yeah. keep and things under lock. They can give like, oh, and this Spider-Man goes to New Jersey, but leave out... And also meets up with Kamala and does some stuff, right? They could just say, Spider-Man goes to New Jersey chasing a villain or whatever. You know, whatever the story was. I didn't read the story because I don't care. Um, but th- this was a full leak thing that happened. And people are mad that, you know, some people are also, like, celebrating because, you know, they have... feel vindicated They feel vindicated somehow because, like... Ah, uh, Kamala. People wait, I knew Kamala. she wouldn't last... Yeah, uh, it's good. We finally killed Kamala Khan. Oh, I hate Muslims or whatever. <laughs> Kamala Khan is Kamala Khan is not a real American, so we've got to deal with it and get rid of her. Which I'm just like kind of of. No. We would have liked it better if maybe there was a nice white girl that oh, got the same superpowers. Yep. But it, it had to be some BIPOC girl I, get I in know. there and take the mantle of Miss Marvel. I like that you're channeling some of that Bill Burr white guy. White. White. <laughs> With the <laughs> You got to. You got to. You, 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 you almost get that spit volume going. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like yeah, I, I've heard I've heard both of these things, uh, the Seth Rollins thing and also Kamala thing. Like, I, first of all, I don't know what is going to happen because there's because of how much outrage there is going on for this thing right now. There's a decent chance that this book doesn't even come out. True, true, not wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to follow up with my question earlier oh, yes, yes. for those that don't know, bro. What happened to the last book that this happened to? The oh, one New Warriors. We were just talking. Yeah. We we talked about it a little bit it came to the, it came to the thing on the day it was supposed to release and it just didn't it just didn't i don't know if they ever Important actually ended up point out they refunded out yeah no they refunded everybody their money back on amazon and everywhere that they pre-ordered the ticket pre-ordered the book and marvel just said mm-hmm. it's just not coming out and they didn't say it's if it was gonna, gonna come out later or anything they just they just never addressed it now the the big thing that kind of stands in the way of that is that that was going to be New Warriors like number one. That was going to be the new part of a new story. Mm. The problem here with this situation is that this is in the middle of an arc for Spider Man right now. Yeah, and so the, the, it's like I don't know if they can afford to not release this next book because it's a part of the ongoing story that's mm-hmm. going on right now. But yes, I've seen I've seen the image of Kamala dying and that whole thing. I don't know what led up to it. I've just seen the picture. 
of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bunch of really weird story stuff going on in Spider-Man right now because yeah. I'm on the Spider-Man subreddit. Yeah. And people are not super happy with what's going on right now. Uh, but I've been doing my best to not like look too deeply into it because I don't want to make myself angry about anything. Right. Um, and I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite hero. Venom is my favorite character. And so it it's interesting that I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm avoiding this story stuff, but I'm not really interested in what's been going on. And I, I, I know a lot of people are upset with this, what's going on in the stories with Spider-Man at the moment. Yeah. And I understand that this will probably not help them very much in the eyes of the public. Mm-hmm. But we may also have to just wait and see what happens. Yep. Because you never know. You're absolutely right. You guys are absolutely right. They could just go ahead and 86 this whole thing. And then next thing you know, we're sitting there looking at Kamala. Which is funny because the whole New Warriors thing was a spinoff of stuff having to do with young mutants being outlawed because of Kamala Khan. <laughs> like all, there's so many stories that's like they've spun off of Kamala Khan stuff and I'm like for you just to then be like oh we're gonna kill her and we're gonna try to make it out to be as big as um, you know the death of Captain Marvel you know the original Captain Marvel I'm, Marvel I'm just like mm, I don't think that's gonna work the way you think it's gonna work there to quote uh, to quote the great uh, Mark Hamill mm-hmm. from um, from Star Wars and other things. You know, yep. But anyways, that, that was, those are my little two news nuggets I thought I would share just to get y'all's thoughts on. And I, I really just wish that somebody would sit, people would sit down at Marvel and people with the movies and they all just sit down and be like, look, what can we do to promote the comic sales based on what we're already doing in the theaters? So like, what can we do so that when people come up and say, say hey, I want to read more of the adventures of... Captain America. I want to read more of the adventures of Iron Man. I want to read more of the adventures of the uh, Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel or or Photon or or whoever these She Hulk. You know these characters that are coming in now. You know Falcon is Captain America. Different things. How can we make stories in the comics that flow with what we're doing? So that, that way we can we can have a place where people can come in and people can be driven to the comic book shops and don't feel like they have to spend eighty years trying to catch up for eighty years to get into these stories. Well, well, I'll I'll say this much because you seem to be under the impression that that's what Marvel needs to do is start making stories that are linked together with what's going on on screen, whereas what Marvel is currently doing is taking the old, very, very popular good stories and turning using those as inspiration for the comics. If somebody watched Captain America's Civil War, they can go and read the original Civil War comic that it's loosely like related to. I'm going to say related because it's not really based on that. Right. It's just the, the only real through line is that Iron Man and Captain America have like a lover spat and they can't get along no more um for some reason i don't know it's, it's it has something to do with registering and it, it doesn't matter um funny enough it had to do with the new warriors because the new warriors were filming a reality tv show and they were chasing i, some, I, you know, I know i was yeah. thank I was, you I was joking i was sorry. i know what it, I, I actually know what it was about <laughs> sorry keep going <laughs> 
We try to make it but obvious. In the same vein, She-Hulk came out, and that is very heavily based on stuff that Dan Slott did. And the Hawkeye show, we all know, Matt Fraction's run, that's where it's based off of. So what Marvel has done is are making these projects that are inspired by very popular comics that came out that people really liked, which I think is a good business decision Yeah, because they'll be able to sell their good old stories. And then maybe if they like those old stories, they'll read the current runs. But I am not really fond of the current runs anyway, so I don't even read those. I'm, I'm in the process of collecting the really good old runs of things. So... I think it's interesting that you have this idea that what Marvel needs to do is make new products that are in the same vein of the movies that are coming out. But I'm like, I think it's a better business decision to make movies and shows and stuff based on the very popular old products that are already available for people to go and buy and read. Which, yeah, if you really want something that's more closely based off the films, then go ahead and watch Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I'm actually not overly fond of. I don't like uh, Avengers Assemble. I I am a way bigger fan of Earth's Earth's Mightiest Mightiest Heroes. Heroes. Or sorry, as Will says, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Avengers. Yes, you're right. Oh, but and 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 there's 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 definitely possibility for that. I'm saying I know I read a couple of interviews, and then of course I talked to Miss Jen the other day. I just kind of private messaged her and just asked her how she feels about. Some of the stuff going on with the comics and the movies, she said, and she said she was talking about how she does feel like there are many times where people will come in and um, come in and do a thing, and like especially if they're coming in for their kids and they're picking stuff up. It's like okay, so my kid wants to kind of read about this stuff that's going on in Hawkeye, so of course she'll go. Well, hey, I've got the trade for the Mad Fraction run. And then she'll be like, oh, you know, my kid's like, eight. don't you have like single issues of this? Well, of course, yeah, there are single issues. The problem is, is that sometimes those single issues combined are worth more than the trade. Because those single issues may have a lot more value on them. Right. So maybe it's, it's how they come up with a way to market. And I don't know how you do that. I, I get what you're saying about not trying to come up with new products. I'm just saying making sure that the stuff is pointing to something. I remember when DC, you know, when, uh, when James Gunn came out and announced the DC stuff that they were working on. And they said, okay, hey, here are the books that you're going to want to read to kind of get you in the mindset of what's coming. You know, and so I was, I was like, you know, it would be really cool if Marvel did that. You know, oh, well, if you if you want to get where the inspiration of this show came from, check out the Mad Fraction run of Hawkeye. You know, oh, you want to get where this came from, check out the Dan Slott run of She-Hulk. Or, you know, check out the Frank Miller run of Daredevil for the Daredevil uh, show that's going to be coming out on Disney+. Plus. You know, right. it's like that. that's a way they could do it to where, that is, you know. And I feel like... Uh, I think it would be a good idea if Marvel were to just outright say it, but they've been titling all their stuff that all of the fans that have been deep fans of the comics know that the, like, okay, there's a show coming up called Secret Invasion. Oh, that's a series of of books that came out. Yeah. You can buy those and read that. And, like, they didn't outright say 
this run is based on the Matt Fraction run, but all the fans that know Matt Fraction's Hawkeye series saw the font and they're like, oh, this is going to be loosely based off of Matt Fraction's run. And everybody that know John Byrne and Dan Slott's version of She-Hulk, they're like, oh, that's where they're getting the, their ideas for what they want for She-Hulk. So we can read the John Byrne and uh, Dan Slott books on that. So uh, really, it'd be good if Marvel would just say you can check out these books for that. But the fans are the ones that are like talking to each other mm-hmm. and being like, oh, it's clearly based off of these books. You can read them and you'll get an idea of yeah. what to expect. We just have to make sure we find a way to get the fans to talk to the normies. Because that's the other side of it, too, is that, you know, you've got a lot of people who are coming in who may have never don't know who John Byrne is. They right. Don't know and who I think that fraction is, you know what I mean? So in, in, the, in the same vein that you were talking to Miss Jen about this kind of stuff, maybe because Miss Jen runs the comic shop, it'd be a good idea if she could have like a, a if she had like a list of the books that are that the series that are coming out are based on, like on a shelf. And when people come in and be all like, I'm curious, there's the She-Hulk show coming out. What's What can I read? And she'll have it out already. Now, obviously, there's trades. And honestly, like, if she were to push it a little harder, be like, oh, your kid's eight. You sh- First of all, your kid probably shouldn't be watching those shows if they're eight anyway, because those are PG-13 movies, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second of all... um, if if they're for like teenagers, that's the better choice, and they should focus like parents, grandparents that want to get these things for their kids. Trades are a better deal overall, so I would imagine that she would want to push trades a little bit harder anyway. And all the great stories that these are all based off of are traded now. So. I think it would be I think part of the thing has to also fall on the comic book like store owners that they should also know how to push these comics onto people and not just hope that the current run is good and makes sense and actually like has to do with the current shows or movies that are on at the moment like Marvel I don't I don't it would seem kind of crazy to expect Marvel to change the way that they're doing stuff to to adhere and help out to the customer as opposed to the comic book store owners pointing out, oh, these runs are what you want to read. These runs are the things that the new thing is all about. You mm-hmm. should read these. Okay. That's what I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we've had that conversation, and we'll go ahead and go with them. So we will be back uh, for the time you hear this, and we'll probably be picking up and talking about Star Wars Visions. So, and then will we also be planning out the next Pathfinder adventure? Uh, we were going to be recording it this week, but then some things came up for a lot of us, including myself, that I didn't even realize were going to come up until day of so i'm kind of glad that we had we were able to repurpose uh this time to work on this so that we could get this together but we're gonna continue to do that because i mean i miss playing pathfinder with these guys and i really want an opportunity to 
continue the adventures of Harbinger and all of the wonderful crew people that he gets to hang around with and uh, <laughs> see what kind of fun stuff occurs. And, the uh, the continuing adventures of Harbinger and the others. <laughs> Whatever their names are. <laughs> I'd like to... I'm sure I know their names if I can. Well... <laughs> No, I, I know that wasn't your intent, but the way that it was worded, it was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's the character I play. I mean, if you want to sponsor your parents, sometimes you can do that. It's just I didn't want to go through the whole list of the characters without the people. It's all here. good. I understand. I like. I I knew where your mind was. It was just funny how it came out. <laughs> my words don't come out of my mouth the way my brain thinks they should. Sometimes it's all good, man. So, but anyway, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, last question. As we yes. wrap up, because usually we say final word. I'm not going to do that this time. Uh, favorite song from Guardians, one through three. Oh, favorite song from Guardians, one through three. Gosh. Hooked on a feeling. Hooked on a feeling is very good. I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to go with the classic, Come and Get Your Love, because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just very good. Definitely so, definitely so, definitely so. Uh, Redbone. Is, is a group that really got kind of their comeback in a way uh, through that through the, the, the movie and then some others and then references, of course, and then the final one. Um, I will say that I really wished that they had used Intergalactic instead of uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, especially since the Mario movie used No Sleep Till Brooklyn at one point. I thought you were going to bring that up. And um, I found, kind of felt like Intergalactic would have fit better because they're in the middle of space. Uh, but I mean, you know, end of the day, it's the music choice. I don't, I don't blame James Gunn for that. I blame the Mario movie. I blame the Mario. Like, it makes sense. Like, for all the licensed music that was in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I was like, this makes sense. For all the licensed music in the Mario movie, I was all like, heck this. No, no, no. Why is Take On Me playing? Why is AHA's Take On Me playing? You could be doing Jungle Japes right now and it would be perfect. ba da 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 Da, 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 da. <laughs> anyway, we, we talked about that movie. Yeah, go yeah, listen yeah. to we that episode. Yes, go Stop listen talking to the about it. Episode. Yes. So mine, of course, is going to probably be the Red Bone song, of course, Come and Get Your Love, because it's such a, such a special place uh, in our hearts. And so thank you all for listening. Greatly appreciate you rocking with us on this episode. And uh, as always, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.